This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast, the new book handy podcast made by the fans for the fans. I'm your host this week, Jamie, and with me this evening, I've got the good doctor himself, Ed Bridges. How you doing? Good evening, Jamie. Yep, not too bad, not too bad. And joining us from the Northern Beat, it's Mr. Ian Street. Evening, Ian. Yeah, hi, Jamie. Hi, Ed. Hi, everyone who's listening. Good, uh, good to be here. Oh, it's been a while since I've been on a, a little panel and I'm glad to be back here after what has been quite an eventful week um, at Rodney Parade. Obviously, when you last heard us, we, we we were coming after the Sutton game and then we had the Brentford game in the week, uh, which we will get to. But first, I think it's probably wise of us to start on Saturday's match at home to AFC Wimbledon. Two all draw, two nil down. Um, good comeback. Could have won it in the end. Maybe should have won it in the end. There's, you know, the two sort of schools of thought, really, whether it was really a point gained, given we were 2-0 down and the first half was pretty poor, or whether we actually dropped two points in the end because we dominated most of that second half. Ed, you're at the game at Roddy Parade on Saturday. What were your immediate thoughts of the game? I I think we probably got away with one there, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I, Coco said at 2-0 down, if you'd offered him uh, a point from that, he'd have bitten your hand off. And I definitely felt the same. And... We the, all right. There was a spell for maybe five minutes or so after we scored the equaliser when it looked like if anyone was going to push on and, and win it, it was us. But having said that, it looked like two pretty exhausted teams, and I think the last sort of five or ten minutes of the game, it felt as though they both teams were really struggling. They both had you know busy midweek games against Premier League sides in the cup, um, and yeah, we just we looked kind of dead on our feet as did Wimbledon. Um, we did well to pull ourselves back into the game and the players deserve an awful lot of credit for the way that they did that and Coughlin as well. But yeah, we we shouldn't get too carried away. We shipped a couple of quite soft goals in the first half and yeah, I think probably it's a point gain for me. You know, that's it's still a good run. We've still got this undefeated uh, at home in the league form and we should try and keep that going for as long as we can because obviously last season our home form was dire. Um, so... 
yeah, that was good. And the character we showed to come back into it was good. I think the main thing is we got away with it. We got a point. We kept the run going. And now we've got a week to physically recover before we've got to play again. Yeah, so you're you're thinking it's more the, the exhaustion um, and that sort of probably played a part in the poor first half than than anything else. I'm kind of thinking we just weren't, I don't know, we just didn't look awake. I don't know whether it was just that exhaustion, that fatigue setting in, but we, there were just some elements where you know, Wimbledon would just play through the through us far too easily. I think we just have a look at the the goals that they scored as well. Um, you know, caught on the break and and fairly sloppy defending um ian um you're following from afar what was your take on on that first half performance in particular well i think overall it was like a bit of a crazy game of chaos wasn't it um it was quite good to watch from afar either team could have won that actually so i think a point each was a fair result in that first half their front three against us were were causing us a lot of problems we didn't really know how to how to manage that but as we got into the game and progressed onwards our four looked a bit more fluid against their sort of two in the middle. So I, I think it was a really interesting contrast of midfield styles. But both sides shipped some poor goals. You know, our, our ball finish was brilliant, but the ball should never have got to over their centre half. Their second goal was an absolute shambles on our behalf. And from a, you know, Delaney should have put that, put that guy into the stand with the ball and everything. It, you know, there was some poor. I think this is what was quite an interesting game. There was bits of really good play and there was bits of bobbins, wasn't there? And it, as a result of that, you were never quite sure where it was going at all throughout the entire game. I thought it was really interesting. You, you had two teams, both of whom had, were probably in a bit of a false position at the moment. We both had slightly easier opening fixtures than um, than we might have done. And we both played midweek against Premier League sides. We're both on a good run of form. And it just it felt like a bridge too far for both sides. I mean, that's how it, it looked to me. And yeah, I think there was definitely some tiredness. And also, if you look at it, you know, we had Bogle was still really coming back from injury. Um, Evans had had a knock midweek. And then you've got, you know, a lot of the younger players, the likes of Adam Lewis, who um, have played a lot of games in a short period of time when probably you'd want them to have a little bit more recovery. And I, I think it was just a whole, that whole combination of factors um, just meant that you had what ended up being a bit of a crazy game. And sometimes you will always have three or four games a season where there's just silly goals going in. And you just, as long as you come out of it with something, then you've just got to kind of find the positive. So I think it was one of those. Yeah, Ed, you were, um, well, just coming off the back of what Ian was saying about the the midfield contrast and styles, and and we just didn't quite look at the races. A lot of talk on uh, the pod WhatsApp group about Charlesley and his uh, performance, particularly in the first half. I thought, like, yeah, I mean, I think you were saying it was just mistiming his runs, weren't you saying it? Yeah, first half especially. um, So I was in the Hazel's, terrace and he was more on the kind of right hand side so so by us um and you know I love Harry Charlesley and he always impresses me that Sasso was the first time where I've watched him and thought god you're you're not quite on it and it was just it's like the fraction of a second every time he was thinking of making a run the player was looking up ready to pass to him he just kind of hesitated and then the moment was gone and it happened you know not just once or twice like three four five times and you kind of thought oh that's that's the first time I've kind of noticed that with him that his decision making was just a bit wonky it's probably just a blip um and you know he's a he's a good player and I he will no doubt uh bounce back from it but um but yeah that was really striking and the fact that we couldn't quite penetrate Wimbledon for that first half um I think was down to his runs not quite being about right that certainly was a problem 
Yeah, I think that kind of permeated throughout the whole side, particularly in the first half. For as worth, I thought Charles Lee improved massively second half, as did the whole team, and he was really on it. But I think like we we had probably a lot more of the ball than we normally do of a League Two football match. Um, but I think some of our passes, like particularly when we're trying to counter or just trying to sort of build up some pressure, we sort of make the pass and just it just wouldn't quite be pinpoint enough for a midfielder like your Charles Lee or Morris or whoever it was to sort of turn, take the ball and turn. They'd have to maybe take an extra touch and then sort of swivel a bit. And then by which point the next pass to sort of the thread the ball through to, to one of the strikers sort of was then off. Um, I think that probably, yeah, con- yeah, the fatigue and all of that probably contributed to it. Maybe we just co- weren't quite clicking. For what it's worth, I think second, I've thoroughly enjoyed that second half performance. I think, yeah, Evans getting that goal, I know why the stroke at half time, and then Bogo getting that mad, mad goal from pretty shoddy defending <laughs> has to be said. Yeah, I, I was pretty adamant that a winner was coming. It didn't in the end, but like we, we caused a lot of pressure, didn't we? Um, Ian, was it kind of a chalk and cheese for you as well? I, I think it. I think it was. I mean, I could talk about the midfield all day. I think, and it, 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 it's interesting what you say about the Charles Lee, um, his mistiming runs, as which you could probably see much better live than we could, you know, beaming in with the one camera sort of thing. I, as I mentioned, I thought it was a really interesting midfield battle between the different styles of the, and a different way we we lined up. But I think we need to remember that. What's impressing me actually with Cochrane, you know, his, you know, this idea of, you know, crawl, crawl, walk, run, we're already looking a more passing and progressive team this season than I actually thought we would be doing at this point of the season. So, yes, we press high. Yes, we're not afraid to play a long ball. But I think that midfield is actually really interesting. It's a really interesting combination, you know, Bennett. You know, Morris, Charles Lee and Wildegg. That is a really interesting midfield. And there are there are times, there were certainly times uh, on Saturday when they put some really nice stuff together. And I and I think that there was quite a few times when the ball went into Wildegg, he's playing little balls around the corner. Um, and they might be some of the things Ed, you were saying where, you know, Charles' runs aren't quite there yet. But we've got to remember that that's a very new midfield. You know, Morris is new in there. Yes, you know, Charles, he came in last year. But only for half a season. While he was injured most of last season, so that it's quite a, it's quite a combo in there. And I think that what Coco was trying to get them to do, you know, mixing how we play, playing quite narrow with that four, almost like a rotary box, dare I say, it, and having the you know Lewis and McCoughlin going up the outside, providing the width, which again is a complete shift from how we've always started under Coughlin, which is five at the back. Is that how he wants to go, or is it? necessity as a result of the fact that we're struggling with, with bodies at the back. So I, I think it's really interesting. And I, I take on board what you're saying about Charlesy, but I think there was a lot of interesting play and movement within that midfield that didn't quite get us the goal, but there was only going to be one winner, I thought, in that game towards the end of it, and that was going to be us. It, at the risk of diverting the Ian Street tactics truck, one thing that occurred to me <laughs> watching is that... Um, you know whether we're you know whatever system we're playing, whether it's five three two or four diamond two or four box two, it's it's lopsided because down the left we tend to use Lewis as the outlet. He's the one who's bombing forward and getting crosses in, and on the right it tends to be one of the midfielders. So often it's been Charles Lee. Um, you know uh, McLaughlin doesn't tend to push forward quite as far. So you know whatever system we're doing, it's not a symmetrical one. You know we tend to push more on the left when we can do, and the right is sort of um, a, a slightly different kettle of fish. And that that's an, a, an asymmetric box. An asymmetric box. Yeah, yeah. What's that? A parallelogram. 
Yeah. Good here first. Getting your, getting your key stage two maths uh, shapes out there, aren't you? Ed? Yeah, I think that, and, and you've got to remember as well, Evans is kind of like playing kind of down that left-hand side on, on Saturday as well. Like he's, um, I mean, let's come on to Evans because obviously we thought he might not make it um, uh, in the starting 11 on on Saturday against Wimbledon after sort of missing a uh, Brentford game. Um, but he came on and he worked his socks off, got himself a goal out of nowhere, real poacher's goal. Isn't it? Is he, I mean, him and Bogle, with Bogle back in the team and coming back to fitness, surely those two, considering the other injuries and all of the other things going on with the various strikers on loan and stuff, those two are our strike partnership for for the coming months, injuries permitting, knock on wood. Yeah, I think I think they are. If Seb Palmer Holden was still fit, I would make the case for him and Evans because I think uh, you know, it was it was great to see Bogle back and I mean his goal that he took was was very nicely done. It was a great finish. Um but he doesn't do the pressing. He doesn't have the the industry of a typical kind of Copland player. You know, he brings a different set of skills. Um, but he he isn't doing the harrying and the hustling that um, that said Palmer Holden was doing. And I I think the way we play probably Palmer Holden and Evans up top better brings out that kind of Copland vision than Bogle. But it's horses for courses, and um, given the lack of fit forwards that we've got I think it, it is going to be those two um, I will say though I like the look of um, Ollie Thomas when he came on he's one who I think is going to take him a few months to get up up to the level you know he looked he, he made a really good impression so that's a, a good option for us but yeah I think it's it's Bogle and Evans um, and let's just hope that now that Evans is in a bit more form it perhaps takes a bit of pressure off Bogle um, to, to be the one who scores all the goals like last season they can share it between them as they did to good effect on Saturday. Yeah, I thought I thought Bogle had a really good game actually um, on Saturday. I'm sure, yeah, they're, they're sort of the the Bogle apologists and the Bogle um, detractors um, amongst the the fan base. But um, yeah, I thought it, I thought the game suited him, particularly in the second half. I know he was sort of coming back to fitness, so he was never going to play the ninety anyway. But I thought we were really kind of beginning to make inroads in that second half with him on the pitch because he was he was linking up quite nicely and he was able to as well sort of make some little passes around the corner down the wing or to turn and run at the Wimbledon defence as well. He had a few few occasions where there was quite a bit of shirt pulling, which um, I think he gets every single game, but it was quite noticeable, um, noticeable yesterday. One final point on the Wimbledon game. Now, Ed, I think you added this to our agenda about Tanzen getting man of the match. And I saw a lot of people complaining about this. I'm going to be honest. I don't care who the match day sponsor gives us man of the match. It doesn't matter to me, but there is a lot of contentious, Yeah, apart from the one good save, incredible save that Tanzan made, I think at two all, um, he didn't really have that much to do. Um, and yeah, he was given man of the match. Um, should this have been in the beef section? I don't know, Ed. What do you think? Oh, it's no, it's it's not worthy of a beef. And and like you say, the the sponsor, <laughs> if they if they pays their money, they take their choice. I'm quite happy for that. And to be honest, sometimes it's quite good because it does get discussion and debate going on the terrace as it did yesterday. But um, he did pull off, um, I think a couple of very very good saves that um kept us in it and um were extremely important. But I think there were other players who had a bit more of a a claim. I thought Wildig did really well. Um, I think you know you could have made a case perhaps for um, for Bogle or Evans as well, but um, yeah, so it's, it's not a beef, but it, it it certainly was remarked upon. Right, we're going to move on because we had uh, another game uh, against West London opposition. In fact, Wimbledon. I don't know whether Wimbledon would like me calling them West London, probably Southwest. Anyway, we played Brentford. Choose yeah, yeah, Tuesday last week, and we took them to penalties. 
96th minute equaliser, towering header by an 18 year old. Um, first things first, um, the attendance. Now, some people were saying it was like sub 5K on the official figures. Some other people were saying it was nearly 6K. Nobody seems to know how many people are at this game. Uh, were we surprised by this attendance um, for, a, for a sort of a cup game against a you know, decent Premier League outfit? It's it's one of the problems, I think, of the early rounds of the League Cup that they tend to come during like peak holiday season. And, you know, this, I think, if it had been a week or two weeks later, I think we'd have had another thousand or, or so through the gates. But, you know, the Tuesday of August Bank Holiday Week is such a tricky time to get people along, you know, and, and even the people who are around, they've been spending money on all the summer holiday stuff. And so um, it's tough to get people there. But even so, I am I was a little surprised that we didn't have um, a few more in there. You know, the the number, whatever the number was, um, it seems to be disputed, but it was heavily boosted by a kind of packed away end. Um, so, yeah, I was a bit surprised we didn't have more, but... But there we go. It's it's just one of those things, I guess. And I think the other thing to to sort of uh, maybe mention as well is we did make a couple of changes. Now I know you know there are a few sort of knots like we've mentioned already that Evans had a bit of a knock for this game. Uh, so Bogle came back for that one. Wait started the match. Uh, Massey Bonswell started the match. Uh, we had Seabury as well um, playing right back in that game, um, as well as uh, Max did having a go and goal ahead of Tansend. Um, Ian, I mean, yeah, Ian, were you surprised by the number of changes we made? Um, to that game, or, or or is it just a case of we need to sort of either give some of these squad players a go, and we need to rest some of our players who, let's be honest, have been starting pretty much every game so far this season. Yeah, I thought that the changes were perfectly reasonable. I think we tried to put out a reasonably strong team, um, and I think that this might have also affected the attendance in terms of some of the early rounds of the League Cup with both teams maybe putting out changed squads. How attractive is that? I don't know. Um, and actually, on the telly, it looked a pretty good crowd in to me. Um, so I'm not actually sure about the official attendance, but it looked good. But I thought the changes were fair enough. We know we needed to get the bubble back in. You know, we need to give, you know, Harrison Bright has gone out on loan, haven't we? So the right back cover is going to be Seabury. We need to have a look at him. Um, I think he's one for the future. But at some point, we've got to give him game time, haven't we? So I think the changes were fair enough. And I think I still think we put out a reasonable team and we gave a, a good account of ourselves. The frustration was we couldn't hit the target from what well, we could hit the side. We couldn't score a goal from uh, the, the spot. Yeah, it was a real frustrating one that, that we couldn't uh, you know, get a single uh, penalty um, through. But, you know, we gave a good account of ourselves. Um, Ed, what did you think of the likes of, you know, the, the Seabreeze and the, and the Bonswells and, and even Waite starting and playing the, playing the 90 there? What did you make of those kind of more fringe players? How did, how did they perform in your eyes? I mean, well, first thing to say is it's just good that they're getting some minutes. And although... I don't have a huge amount of time for the Football League trophy. The fact that we've got three games coming up in the next month or so where some of those fringe players will get some game time, get to play together, get to, you know, put the the Copland tactical plan into effect and, and get used to what their role is within that, I think is all good news. I liked the fact that, yeah, I thought Seabury had a, a solid game at, uh, at right back. I saw um, Chris Kerwin saying um, that, you know, probably... That's where Seabury's going to have to prove himself before he can maybe get another sniff at centre-back, which is his preferred role. I thought he, he acquitted himself um, very well. Uh, and I thought, yeah, for Kibben Wright to 
get that goal will do his confidence the world of good you know he's still a work in progress but um to, just to get that goal and to you know the place went mad um i think will yeah do his confidence an awful lot of good so yeah i think it's it's one of those it, the, the shame was the penalties and if we're talking about confidence i think it's a real shame for you know nathan wood who um i've got really high hopes for um i think it will it will have uh, dented his confidence a little bit to miss that penalty but Character building, yeah. missing penalties. Character building. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, I th- I don't think it's the end of the world either. Um, I think, yeah, like I say, good performance. Um, just it is what it is with the penalties. The one frustrating thing that came out of that Brentford game was um, Sir Palmer Holden um, yeah. coming on and then going off straight away. And now he's out for, I think it's up to 12 weeks, I think. So he's gone back to Bristol City to sort of recuperate. He's still on the book, so he's still he's not sort of. And he was at the uh, game yesterday as well, which I thought yeah, was yeah, a really so good he, sign. The fact that he was hanging around after the game was he? That's know, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that. I mean, I'll, I'll probably come on to talk about it in a little bit, but I think that speaks volumes about the sort of togetherness in the squad. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the uh, togetherness of the squad, the squad are going to be together now um, as that unit until January. The transfer windows slam shut, as they say on Sky Sports News. Um, and we got a couple of couple of lads in at the last minute. One probably expected, um, particularly after Palmer Holden's injury, Bristol City kind enough to loan us another one of their their lads. Ollie Thomas coming in. Um, we've mentioned him already. Uh, came off the bench on Saturday um, against Wimbledon and looked promising. Um, I think considering, you know, with, you know, what Evans had or not, Bogle's sort of coming back to fitness, Palmer Holden's out, and then Sansala's still out, and, you know, Kiban's still very young and is not someone you want to rely on in the in the sort of, you know, for the whole League Two season. I think, yeah, we need a bit of you know, reinforcement up top. And um, a nice surprise was country file Matt Baker coming back on loan for the whole season, which I think... Ed, you were saying in in the what I'm going to mention in the WhatsApp group again, but you were saying when we signed him, it's a real testament to to just how well Cochrane is or how respected he is really um, among the players that he's sort of been working with. Yeah, I mean, I think I've got two reflections on the transfer window, and yeah, the first one is exactly that: there are players who want to come back and play more under Cochrane. So we saw it with Adam Lewis, we saw it with Country File. Both of them, I think, um, could have gone higher up the leagues you know there was rumored interest in um in, in matt baker from orient i think amongst others but they have chosen to come back to newport county because presumably they are confident in getting some first team football and they also think that graham Cochrane will help them with their development and so um i think yeah that's a massive positive and, and clearly it's a good squad to be around it's the sort of place that players want to come um i don't think that has always been the case in recent years for newport county and so um i think that is a, a massive bonus for us so that's my first point the second thing um that just i thought was really interesting reflecting on the, the transfer window as a whole not just the kind of last uh the last week of it um i was reflecting on the the young players that we've got and how it's really noticeable to me that the likes of Nathan Wood, Adam Lewis, Kevin Rye as well, they all come across really, really well in interviews. Now, of course, we sign players for their footballing ability, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Copland also wants players who've got a little bit about them. Um, all three of the ones that I've mentioned, you know, they're articulate, they're passionate, they're focused. Um, and we've all heard footballers give like monosyllabic interviews or sound a little bit dopey. But 
I think we've got a crop of players coming through who've just got a little bit more up there. And I think it bodes really, really well that they can express themselves and that they exude um, that certain like confidence. So, yeah, I think there's an awful lot of positives that we can take from the, the transfer window as a whole. And I think the way that we reacted so quickly um, to bring in um, Ollie Thomas as well, you know, use that good relationship with Bristol City so that we've got a, a ready-made replacement for Palmer Holden. I think that was that showed, again, the confidence that other clubs have in Newport County at the moment yeah that's a really good point Ed I think like and and that sort of comfort that sort of air of confidence that you get and that sort of level-headedness that you get from those interviews and the sort of the way that the the club and the players sort of project themselves to across the fan base it sort of gives you a lift I mean it's given me a lift as well you know you feel very optimistic about you know the fact that we're maybe going about things the right way we're we're kind of you know you you feel that there's that sense of togetherness and we've spoken about that sense of togetherness the loop between the club and the community etc as well which we do incredibly well but i think that also permeates through um through everything that you know that we're doing a sort of a club operating on a day-to-day basis and that can only be a good thing for the development of those youngsters and for you know the squad harmony in general um i don't know about you both but i'm feeling quite positive after this week's um uh activities on and off the pitch you know i'm feeling fairly optimistic that um you know whatever my predictions were at the end of July have sort of gone out the window now. feels like it's the right direction. feels like there's some progress there. Ian, are you sort of, where are you on the sort of positivity scale at the moment? You know me, Jamie, always glass half full when it's, when it comes <laughs> to the port. So I, I, I mean, I think that to be fair, you know, I, I, I don't fully understand all the off the pitch finances and shenanigans or really care. I mean, I do care, but you know what I mean? But I think that bearing in mind that we probably have a limited budget, I think that Coughlin and the rest of the, the backroom squad have done a really, really good job in who they brought in. You know, the age, is, the age has come down, the speed has gone up, you know, the fitness is there. I, I think our first 11 this year is as good as, or if not better, than our first 11 um, last year. And... You know, the issue we'll have is, is is depth, as we've talked about in the past. You know, we will struggle if we get injuries in key places. We've got to hope that Coughlin and Dunn and the others can bring on the likes of Seabreed, the likes of Woods, you know, who aren't there yet. Let's let's hope that there's some gems there that they found that they can they can bring on and bring through. Um, I think we'll be a hard team to beat. There's some slot, better sloppy defending needs sorting out, but we work incredibly hard. We're a fit team. You know, we keep going to the end. There's a lot to like about what we're doing. And, you know, long may that continue. What's it like on the Hazel, Ed? Is that is that air of confidence there? Yeah, I mean, certainly the, the people I was chatting to on the terrace on Saturday and in the pub beforehand, I think everyone's kind of saying the same thing. Look, we're, we're doing an awful lot better than we expected to. We thought it was going to be a real kind of grind of a season. And it may there will certainly be spells where that is the case. But at the moment... Look, we've got off to this really good start. The the squad is really clearly feeling very like together. We've got a, probably our best manager for years in terms of experience and vision. I thought the thing that um, Rob Phillips said to you, actually, Jamie, the other week about Coughlin is someone who really buys into the DNA of Newport County and understands the DNA of Newport County. I thought that was a really good point. And so, yeah, look, as we said at the start of the season, Let's focus on survival and then kind of see where where we end up. Um, but on that metric, we're we're doing brilliantly. So let's just enjoy it. 
absolutely uh we've got games coming up away at uh, uh crawley uh next week and i think we've got a home game against barrow and then bradford and then away at salford to finish the month off so yeah uh you know league two games coming thick and fast relatively but we've got a midweek off to to rest those tied legs but um, September right. September gets harder as it goes on. We started September on like easy setting, and by the end of September, with those games against Salford and Bradford, it'll be ratcheting up. So let's not panic if um, we have a, a a bad run over the coming month because it is going to get progressively harder. Before we go to shoutouts and beefs and player of the pod, uh, one last sort of bit of business around the the transfer deadline day stuff. It was a weird one actually with Joe Day. So Joe Day, he was sent out on loan to to Woking for the season and we thought okay fine now instead he had his uh, loan terminated came out to the club and he's gone out to Yeovil now this was I mean it's not been sort of spelled out as such but this was probably because Ollie Thomas was on loan at Yeovil and um all because uh Seth Palmer Holden did his hamstring or whatever it was in um all of this sort of has sort of set the wheels in motion and, and all of a sudden Joe Day is now playing conference sad stuff with Yeovil. So um best of luck to him. But um yeah, it's just a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Very odd, I thought. But you know, you just gotta sort of there's, there's some strange things happening in the window, which we might come on when we talk <laughs> about shout outs and beefs. But um yeah, you just gotta nod your head and just say like whatever and yeah, move move yeah. on. I mean, he, there yeah. is a player who just needs to go and play some football, really, um, after a difficult few years. Uh, you know, it's mad that he's gone from playing in the second tier with Cardiff to playing in Conference South. But yeah, he just needs to to play some games now. So hopefully he'll get to do that at Yeovil. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. We're going to go player of the pod, first of all, and uh, start with you, Ian. Do you have a player of the pod this week? I think I'd give it to Benno, actually. Uh, the... Um... Base midfield, I think he did a lot right. You know, he he was one of those classic seven rates out of tens, wasn't he yesterday? But he put the good, he put the tackles in. That he made some surging running, surging runs. He was unlucky when he hit the bar. I thought he played. I thought he had a good all round game. So I, th- I think I'd give it to Bennett on on um, reflection. Um, Will dig for me uh, because he's doing such a nice job in being the peak of that diamond uh, and you know supplementing the strikers. But I thought on Saturday in particular. His cross for Evans's goal, which got us back into it, there was no room for error there. The keeper, the defence thought that ball was going out of play. Wildig got himself into a position where he, you know, didn't just manage to keep it in, but there was no room for error. He had to hit that just right to land it back for where Evans was steaming in. Um, and he executed that perfectly. And I think if he hadn't done, we don't get that goal. We go in 2-0 down and it, it's a long way back from there. But it, it got us a goal at just the right moment. Um, and yeah, he, he deserves every credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he's sort of really come on this season. Um, he looks like a new player. And I think the likes of, uh, you know, Charles Dean Evans being in form as well just really sort of helped Will it really sort of shine? I think it's just bringing out the best in him. I'm actually going to go Bryn Morris. Um, just sort of stick with uh, one of the midfielders uh, as my player of the pod. I think he's just doing his job really well. Um, sort of maybe it goes a little bit unnoticed with the with the likes of uh, Charles and obviously Evans um, getting the highlights and the, and all the spotlight. But I think he's really a huge part of that midfield. Um, and I think we'd be a lot worse off without him. So yeah, Bryn Morris for me. Shout outs and beefs end the pod Ian what have you got for us okay shout outs we've just named three different man of the matches for <laughs> of our midfield and I my shout out is to the midfield actually and to the way that that gives me 
a lot of optimism going forward. I, I like. I think all of them have got something. I think the key four, they complement each other well. I think they're only going to get better. And I, I really enjoy watching them in a way that I didn't think I was going to enjoy watching football under Cockland when he first came in. So I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a shout out to our midfield and long may that continue. Beef, how long have you got? My beef is the transfer window, actually. And I, I want us to do a whole pod at some point. I want to put my whole, my sort of Victor Meldrew hat on. <laughs> and I want to have a whole pod on why modern football is worse than, it, than, than the original <laughs> football. Teams changing for cup games, semi-finals at Wembley, you know, VAR. You know, well, I don't, like you could, I, could, I could go on for as long as you want. But the window, I'm so bored of the window. I can't stand in the window. We didn't used to have a window. Football was better. Third shirts, stop it. Just... <laughs> Stop all this nonsense. <laughs> so the window and everything to do with modern football, including XG, get rid of it all. Let's just play football. Ed, shout out to beefs. Okay, I'm going to start with a beef. And my beef is with people who refuse to allow themselves to feel joy. Is that me, Ed? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're usually relatively optimistic in. No, by any objective standard, we've had a really good transfer window and we are on a better run than most of us expected to be at this point in the season. And yet there are some people out there who just can't allow themselves to be happy. Uh, the, so the club announced the signing of, uh, of Matt Baker and someone replies straight away bemoaning the fact that it wasn't a surprise because his, his name had been doing the rounds all day. I mean, talk about glass half empty. You know, it was a good signing, a real coup to get him back when clubs higher up the league were uh, were interested. You know, it's not the club's fault that we got wind of it early. The club don't owe us a surprise. Um, I, I said pre-season, this is going to be a slog this season. We need to find the joy in every single win and every point gained. And I just think we need to stick with that and uh, have an attitude of gratitude, as they say. And if you've got to be miserable about every single thing that the club tweets, at least do it privately so you don't bring the rest of us down. So that's my beef. <laughs> Um, my yeah, shout, yeah. my shout out though is about a man who does inject a little bit of joy into the world. Uh, Rob, the landlord of the Murringer, uh, my favourite pub in Newport, um, retired uh, this weekend. Uh, I think uh, he will be very, very sorely missed. In an era of identikit chain pubs, the Murringer is a haven for people like me who really appreciate a quiet pint without music or big tellies. It's the sort of place where there's always someone sat quietly in a corner reading a book. Um, and yeah, uh, Rob reassures me that uh, the new people will retain the pub's ethos. But um, if you're listening, Rob, you've done a wonderful job there over the years. And thank you for everything. What a pub as well. Yeah, yeah. one of my first pubs I ever went in when I started going out for a beer in Newport. So yeah, totally echo that. Brilliant stuff. I actually kind of agree with you on the uh, the, the the transfer stuff, um, Ed, um, with your you know, the transfer deadline day stuff, because... If you look at that reveal for Matt Baker, obviously it was done in the daytime. Right? So for those of you who didn't see, somebody was in the Hazel stand with you know, a mixing bowl, some cupcakes and a whisk or whatever, making a terrible pun on the word Baker. Um, it was announced at what, 10 o'clock at night? Um, that photo was clearly taken in the daytime. And I think that's what got a lot of people sort of wind up. But, um, you know, let's be honest, these things take time. There's paperwork that needs like completing. So they probably knew it was going to happen, but they couldn't announce it yet. So it's fine. It's okay. Well, and there's um, the cautionary tale as well yeah. of Wrexham announcing a sign <laughs> yes. uh, that hadn't really had the paperwork go through. So, you know, that's why waiting is sometimes the right thing to do. It is indeed. My shout out to Beast. My shout out, yeah, I have to say, shout out to this squad. I am just so optimistic right now. I'm, I'm just loving watching them play. I know, you know, 
we don't win every week and that's okay that we don't win every week but it was fun it was a fun 90 minutes yesterday it was even if we i was not that disappointed that we only came away with a draw partly because you know we shipped two shoddy goals in in the first half but you know we we played incredibly well second half and i just enjoyed watching the game my beef is kind of with myself though because i was about to tweet or at least share my thoughts with um with uh, members of this pod about uh, how well I thought Adam Lewis was and how confident uh, he was looking and he was sort of really taking a bit of responsibility with the team. And just as I was about to hit send, um, the ball rolls under his foot and uh, goes straight <laughs> to the other striker and they score. And I think they go two up. I think it was the second goal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought, I'd, 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 I don't know. Am I a jinx? I don't know. But, I love yeah. that. Beef, beef about yourself. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Where do just I start? <laughs> Can I just put in a quick, another quick, very quick shout out? Actually, I think am I right in this, um, Ed? That Tim Thraves was back on the mic. On he uh, was. It was like slipping into a lovely bath. It was so nice hearing. It. And what I thought was really weird is I didn't notice straight away because. Tim Thraves' voice over the PA system is just how the world is supposed to sound. And so it was only when <laughs> someone pointed it out, it's like, oh, God, yeah, it is Tim Thraves. Yeah, lovely to hear him again. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think that's that for us for this week. It remains me to thank Ian for joining us this evening. Thanks, Ian. No probs. Thanks, Ed, as well. Pleasure as always. And thanks to Tinty and the Bucket Hats for our brand spanking new theme tune. Um, we'll be back uh, with the pod very shortly. But until then, keep it catty. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.